Hey, church, y'all ready for the word? All right, let's pray, and we'll get right into it. Y'all ready to learn something this morning? Man, I can tell you, I learned something this week. It just kind of, one of those moments. Uh, I'm hoping that the Lord, well, I know the Lord will convey that to you guys through me. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Thank you, Father, that it goes forth with great power. God, it always, always goes forth with great purpose. Never, ever comes back void. God, thank you for speaking through me. Thank you for changing lives here this morning. Forever changing their lives. Thank you for your spirit here with us. In us. Thank you for your arms wrapped around us. Loving us right where we are. Qualifying us to be able to receive from you. And God, I thank you for allowing your church to rest this morning as they receive. We look forward to all that you have for us. It is always good. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. So, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, you guys were made 100% perfect when Jesus finished his work at the cross. Back then when he did it, right? Back then when he did it, you guys sitting here today were made 100% perfect in God's eyes. That's who we are today. So if you're like me, sometimes you can struggle with some stuff. Sometimes you struggle with, um, well, I'll just tell you, what I struggle with sometimes is uh, a sin consciousness, right? Like, like I'm, sometimes I'm so fixated on my sin that I forget who I am in Christ. I forget what's been done for me because I'm so full of sin consciousness, right? And we say it all the time in here, God doesn't want you focused on your sin, he wants you focused on your safety, right? Jesus is a little better than your sin, yes? Yeah, the payment was always better, trust me, than your debt. Um, in fact, the Bible calls it much more. So we're going to see this morning uh, a little bit about this sin consciousness. I want you to see through scripture that God doesn't want you, never created you to have a sin consciousness. That's not what we were created for. And you'll see that in Genesis. It's amazing. That's the part I was talking about. So let's go right into the word. This is Hebrews 10, uh, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, Hebrews 10, chapter, or verse 1. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come. It's a shadow, right? The law is a shadow. The shadow is not the same of the good things to come. Okay, it was just a shadow. The good things to come, by the way, had already came. It was Jesus. Yeah, you read it in context, you go back, you read 8, 9, you can even read 11 and 12. Because of what Jesus did, that he is the good thing that came, right? So the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. Every year, these, the Jewish people would offer sacrifice and they'd have to do it continually because it could never make them perfect. Now, when, when they had Yom Kippur Day, Yom Day Kippur of Atonement, right? Day of Atonement. When they had that and they brought that animal and it was a perfect sacrifice, did, do you think that God had an idea that they might sin the next day? Yeah. See, that one sacrifice was from year to year, right? It was, it was one year. That one sacrifice. Now, somebody may have went home and tripped over a stone and, and dropped a word or so, right? They might have dropped a word that they don't normally use in front of women. You know what I'm saying? 
Any other, anybody ever do that in here? <laughs> Good thing we're not Catholics where, you know, you would have to confess all that stuff. Right, James? We don't have to do that. The Lord already knows. It's not like you caught him by surprise. Like God goes, oh, no, he didn't. I, I didn't. Where did that word come from, right? Yeah? You know, one time Noah said something. I was like, w -w -w. I pointed to Kelly. I'm like, <laughs> it's the woman you gave me. That's right. No, I did, I did not say that. It's not the same. Yeah. Have your kids ever done anything like that, though? And you're like, oh, snap. He watches way too much TV, right? <laughs> well, the question is, what are you watching? Because they don't, you know, anyway. So the, 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 God knew. The point is God knew that they would sin. So even when they sinned the next day after Yom Kippur, they knew they were covered for a year. They knew that God wouldn't look at their sin for a whole year because of what that perfect sacrifice or the, what that sacrifice was for one year. Yeah? You guys understand that. They would still sin. Sometimes we don't think like that. And so I want to tell you this, that, that that sacrifice could never make them perfect. Never, right? But perfect in regard to what? Perfect in regard to, to not sinning anymore? If we keep it in context, you go to the very the, the chapter right before this one, it'll tell you it was symbolic, talking about the law. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to conscience. Right? You, you can never have a perfect conscience by bringing those things once a year. Because if those sacrifices would have worked, they would have had no more consciousness of sin. But they didn't work. Right? So you go back for the law having a shadow. We read that, right? For then would they have not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sin. That's why they didn't work. That's why bringing them every year didn't work. That's why only one person can do that for you. His name is Jesus, and he did it for you. He was one sacrifice, once purified. Once purified means you're done. When, when you accept Jesus, you are purified. The Lord made you purified. You can't do it on your own. And, and, and now, look. If, if those sacrifices would have worked, they wouldn't have had to do. They would have had no more consciousness of sin. I'm here to tell you, God doesn't want you to have a consciousness of sin. He doesn't. And if you tell me the Holy Spirit's role in your life is to convict you of sin, I'm going to show you that's not true. We can talk about that in a whole. We talked about that before. I can show you exactly where that's at. It's not for you. The Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to tell us, remind us that we are righteous even when we fail. We've all been convicted of sin at least one time. That's why we accepted Jesus. So consciousness of sin is to say, if you have a consciousness of sin, is to say that his sacrifice didn't work. If you still have a consciousness of sin, what you're saying is what Jesus did on the cross did not work. That's what he's saying in Hebrews 10. If it, those sacrifices would have worked, they would have had no more consciousness of sin. So why do believers today, after what Jesus did, who was much more than an animal, what, after what he did, why do we still have a sin consciousness? Why do I still have a sin consciousness? It's just not enough teaching on the good news, not enough teaching on the gospel. 
Oh, we go to here, man. We hear people speak and they they speak about your sin. They put you. It's almost like they want you to focus on your sin in order to break you so that you would accept Jesus, so that you would know you need Jesus. How many of us know we need Jesus? Right. How many of you guys know that you fail multiple times? So do you come to hear more about your failings? Or do you want to come and hear that there's a savior who loves you and has completely, completely forgiven you for your failures? That's what we need to hear more. That's why it's called the good news. Old, old way, according to Hebrews, covered for a year, new, covered for eternity. That's why what Jesus did is much more than what an animal could do for him, right? All right, look at this, Romans 2. I want to show you that everybody, some people will say, see, see, Gentiles or, or non-Jews, uh, they don't have a consciousness of sin. Therefore, we need to give them one by teaching them the law. You got to know the law so that you can know you failed. You got to know the law so you can know that you need Jesus, right? So that, that, that's craziness. You're born, you are born with a sin consciousness. That's just the way you're born because of the fall in the garden. But check this out. This is Romans 2. For when Gentiles, non-Jews, right, who do not have the law, by nature do the things in the law. Right? See, if my mom told me, it was my grandma, it was my nana, she told me, hey, don't eat the cookies. And she just got them out of the oven. Dude, I'm five years old, right? What would you do? Right? So listen, I, I would eat one or two and then rearrange them so it didn't look like there was a big hole in the middle of the pan. Anybody else do that? Yeah. Look, I, I ain't stupid. Look, I, I'd eat a cookie and I'd widen the gap from all of them. Right? Right? But why did I do that? Because I knew I had done wrong. I didn't need a law to tell me that. I knew by nature, I knew I had done wrong. Yeah. So look, the, 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 the that by nature do the things in the law. These, although not having the law, they, they're not under the law, right? Are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts. By nature, when you're born, it's written in your heart, right? Because we are born with the sin of Adam and Eve in our hearts. Look at this. Their conscience, their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves and their thoughts accusing or else excusing them that's what the law does the law accuses it, accu it condemns you by the law is the knowledge of sin and sin condemns us that's why the more you hear the law the law the law the more you feel condemned right but there's someone else who came and made it right for you when you couldn't make it right but i want you to see that we're born with a sin consciousness focused on our sin all right look at this some people will say hey you you look at acts paul paul said this paul said this being so i myself always strive to have a consciousness or conscience without offense toward god and man and people say that's our motto right there we want to strive to have a conscience that is pleasing to the lord no offense to the lord right well the problem with that is this it, it, your conscience is not a good guy it's not because we were born with a sinful conscience. Paul, same way. Now, now remember this. Paul's conscience led him to stone Stephen to death. 
So it's not a good guy, right? Paul is saying this, man, that that's, that's who he was. He strived to have a good conscience, right? But the problem was the conscience was his guide and not the Holy Spirit there. You see, strive is Paul doing it, Paul doing it, Paul doing it. That's under the law. He'll tell you, man, I knew the law frontwards and backwards. But the law couldn't save me. In fact, it was the opposite. He thought he was doing the right thing when he really wasn't. That's what conscience can do. That's why you don't follow your conscience. Follow the spirit of God in you. We're not told to follow our conscience, right? Go back to Hebrews. For when, for then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Every year they're reminded that they're, they're, they're of their failures, right? You got to stop reminding yourself. You see, reminding and, and having no more conscience go hand in hand. It, well, they're actually opposites. If you have no more consciousness of sin, you're not being reminded of your sin. The, in order to be have no more consciousness of sin and not be so sin-focused is to, is to be focused on your Savior, to be focused on your payment, your perfect payment. So you got to stop focusing on your sin. See, there's much more. I'm still learning about the cross, church. I'm still learning about stuff that happened on the cross. And I thank God for that. I thank God that I haven't arrived at a place where I know it all about my sin. That there's different sins that, I mean, sin is sin to God, but I struggle with sin of the flesh sometimes too. There's sin actions and there's sin of the flesh. Stuff you're born with. Sin consciousness opens up the door to many bad things in your life. It just does. The more you focus on your sin and your failures, it just opens up the door to more issues in your life. That's why the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repent. And the word repent there is to change your mind, change your ways. Amen? So, so look at this. This is the story of Job. Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Oldest book in the Bible. I saw... I saw that uh, in some commentaries, some people believe Moses wrote the book of Job. But that's that you can go and research it your own way. That shocked me. I was like, whoa, right? That's crazy. Never heard that before. But but Job is, in fact, the oldest book in the Bible. It, in fact, the, where this is, to see the say Uz is actually southern Syria today. That's crazy, right? Everything that's happening today. But uh I want you to see something about Job that you'll see in your, like, this is the oldest book in the Bible. And I'm going to show you Satan's oldest trick, right? He's defeated, by the way. Job 1-1. So I told the youth Wednesday night, Job is where you go to find out what God wants you to do in your future. It's actually pronounced Job. You're like, you're like, Troy, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, go read the book of Job. Don't, do, don't read the book of Job. Oh, man. All right. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless. He was, listen, doesn't say sinless. He was blameless. Right? No one was sinless except Jesus, but he was blameless. And today, I want you to know, you're not sinless, but you're blameless. You are blameless because someone paid for your sin. Right? Blameless and upright. And one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep. He was a very wealthy man. 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, 
uh, 500 female donkeys and a very large, 500 female donkeys. I wonder if there's like one male donkey. <laughs> like, why don't they point out? The, anyway, I, that just went through my head, so I thought I'd ask you guys. All right. And a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of Egypt. That, that, that brother was blessed. Some people will tell you, and I've heard this preached before, that, that, uh, that Job actually is a picture of, of what a believer, how a believer is going to suffer and how believers suffer sometimes, right? It, it, that's, let's see if that's true, okay? People will say it's because Job feared. And if you go to Job, uh, oh, well, I'll get there in a second. So, so I put Job didn't have an advocate sitting at God's right hand like we do, right? When Job was there, yeah, there was some fear there. There was some stuff going on in Job's life where he couldn't go and have an advocate know that someone was there for him, right? We have an advocate. His name is Jesus. We have an advocate for sure. It's found in 1 John 2, 1, my little children. These things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, right, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have an advocate. I love the fact, see, 1 John 1, 9 comes before this, right? Two verses before this, where it says, if we sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, but we have to do something. We have to confess that sin, right? Is that written to us? You know from being here, that's not for us, right? See, but he starts this chapter with my little children. Now he's endearing, right? He doesn't do that in the first chapter. So it's interesting that it says here, if anyone does sin, confess your sins. No, isn't that funny? It doesn't say confess. It says if you do sin, you have an advocate. Jesus, he's advocating for you. He knows you're going to sin. We don't confess our sin. We confess our advocate. We say thank you. Anyway, see, Job, in, in chapter 3, it says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. And people say, see, Job, the reason Job suffered because he feared. He was fearful. And, and, and that's why he suffered, because he was fearful about stuff, and it actually happened, right? But if you go back and you read, let's look at this. This is very interesting. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. All right, everything good so far? So, so it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would sin and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Nothing, nothing wrong with that, right? Um, and then, oh, for Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did it regularly. Now look up here, look at me. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Job sinned, Job's sons sinned and cursed God. He was afraid that they would do it. And he had a sin conscience. And so he did it regularly. And what does that do when you have a sin conscience? Look at this next verse. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. The, the, the more you focus on sin, you're opening up that door for Satan to come in. He knows his rights. He knows that when you focus on sin... I have an opportunity to come in now. But when you focus on your Savior, He's defeated. 
He's defeated anyway, whether you do or don't. But if you can get this church where you don't, you're not focused on your sin by thinking about your sin all the time, but you're focused on your Savior, he's done, man. He has no power. No power. Amen? Love that. So where did the sin consciousness come from? We got to go to the book of Genesis, the beginning, right? So look at Genesis. There were two trees in the garden. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree in the garden you may freely eat. I love the word freely there. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it you shall surely die. They, they could eat freely from the tree of life. All the other trees that were in there. But don't eat from this one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's the law, church. He said, don't eat from that one. God knew. God never wanted us to, to understand what evil was. Never. Right? And if you go down at the end of that, it says right here in, in verse 25. And they were both naked. And the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Nakedness is a picture of sinfulness. Right? The moment they ate from the tree, the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their eyes were open and they saw they were naked. And you know how I know they were ashamed? Because they went and hid from the Lord. Before that tree, they would walk around. God would pop in and talk to them. They were naked. They didn't know anything different. Everything was good. Good. Everything was good. Everything was perfect. They were in the Garden of Eden. The moment they took from that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Nothing wrong with the tree. Because God made that tree too, right? And called it good. But he did not want them to eat from it because he didn't want us ever to understand what evil was. Because he knew what it would do to us. Now, we are created in his image, amen? He says he created man and woman in, the Im in their image. That's us. And Satan knew that too. Would you agree? Look what, this is the verse that, that made me stop my car and pull over. It's unbelievable. Then the Lord God, the Lord God said, behold, the man, this is after they ate. Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil and when they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil god says now they become one like us now they know what evil is because only god can handle good and evil he knew we couldn't do it it was never in his desire for man to understand what evil was that's why satan tempted eve that way he said this look for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. The problem is we were already created in the image of God. Satan knew that, but this is the one thing he said, look, knowing good and evil. Satan knew that if he can get people to, to know evil, then he would have some kind of control over them because he is evil. You see how all that works? It's unbelievable how right the bible is right but also if you go back to this 22 yeah we became like them now we know we, like god like jesus like the holy spirit they're one by the way yes we became like them because now we know good and evil but look what god says right here and now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever prophesying jesus that god would also make a way out what satan intended for evil God would make good. Did he do a good job? Yeah. I just stopped looking at it. 
y'all might see that six pack down there and be distracted and everything. That wasn't funny, Keisha. That wasn't a joke. Why you laughing? <laughs> All right, look at Romans 7. Paul, Paul, Paul struggled with sin consciousness. We're talking about Paul who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament struggled with sin consciousness. Look at this. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do. That I practice. Can anybody relate with a brother? You know. You know the right thing to do. But sometimes we don't. Amen? Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin, sin, singular, not plural, sin that is within me. That is sin consciousness. You see, when Jesus died at the cross, he died for the sins, the actions of our, our, our sin. He died for that. But what about the sin that's on the inside, the sin consciousness? What, what is sin consciousness? Sin, sins are what we do actively to mess up, right? But sin consciousness is something we were born with. Something we were born with. You ever been, I, I explained this to the youth. You ever been on a high ledge and look over and go, man, I wonder what happened if I just jumped. You just hear jump in your head. Anybody, has that ever happened to anybody? They've done studies where women, women who love their babies, would have thoughts of killing their babies, drowning their babies. Evil. But they're not evil. We're talking about Christian women. What would make someone do that? It's that sinful flesh. Something within. They would never do it outwardly. But something within, that thought goes through your mind. We counseled a, a girl one time who who she was on her way. She tried to commit. Remember that she tried to commit suicide on her way to meet us because she kept hearing a voice in her head saying, hey, drive as fast as you can into that tree. And when she passed that tree, there's another tree. There's another tree. She ended up getting to the meeting. She got saved. But what would cause what would cause those thoughts to go through her head? Some people say it's a the reason I can go to to and look down over a cliff or something and think that maybe there's a demon in you, but that's impossible. If the Holy Spirit's in me, a demon can't be. Can't. That can't be in the same place, same body. I mean, look at his body. You know the Holy Spirit's up in here. Jay, what you laughing at, man? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't hear you say amen, babe. I'll give you an opportunity to do that right now. You did? Okay. <laughs> See, that sinful flesh makes it about me. Honestly, doesn't it? You, you can be joking, but making it about you. Listen, there's just something about, I want you to see that, that sin that dwells in him. Paul understood that. So how does Paul get out of it? Same thing, right? He goes down, you go down, you jump down to verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. There is, therefore now, two present tense in there, right? Two present tense, is and now. I'm going to tell you, what's today's date, church? Somebody tell me. It's March what? 15th. April 15th. <laughs> April 15th. April 15th is right now. This is for you today. This doesn't change. In the, in the Greek, it's, it's right now. It's present tense, right? There is therefore right now. Say now, church. Now. Now. No condemnation. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Then there is no condemnation for you. None. Why? What happened? 
Jesus took your condemnation. That's what he did on the cross. He took everything you deserved and it was put on him so that you could get everything you don't deserve. It's called grace. That's the definition of grace, getting something you don't deserve. And that's what, so there's no condemnation. That's how Paul got out of that mind, that, that, that way of thinking, right? And it says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is the law. It's the ministry of death, Paul calls it, the ministry of condemnation. We've been delivered from that. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, right? God did. Just stop right there. Say, God did. God did. Say it again. You could do a whole, you, anything that comes in your mind, all you got to do is stop and say, God did. You need to do that. God did. You need to read your Bible more. God did it. You need to fast more. God did. Amen? God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. I love the way the Holy Spirit guards the nature of Jesus. The likeness. The like he never was sinful. The Bible says he did no sin, knew no sin, had no sin. In the likeness of sinful flesh, right? On a on account of sin, singular, that flesh sin that we're born with, God condemns sin in the flesh. It's condemned. If God condemns sin, it's no longer for you. If the church can only get that verse. Verse 3 of Romans chapter 8, it would be set free that God condemns sin in the flesh. So, so when, the, when that flesh rises up and Satan says, how can you call yourself a Christian? You say, God did it. He condemned it. It's not for me. If God condemned it, it's done. You see, it's not that God's going to condemn it. Condemned. Past tense, it's done already. So don't let anybody get up in your head. If somebody's in your head saying, hey, man, you need to stop having those thoughts. You need to stop struggling with those thoughts. No, man, God did it. It's condemned. It's not for me anymore. Stop beating yourself up. God doesn't want you focused on your sin. It's been condemned. Move on. Get over it. He has. People will tell you, though, you need to, you need to fix it. You need to focus on it. You need to see it before you can move on. No, I don't. I don't need to see it. It's done. I know sin is sin. I know what's in me. It's done. That's why the only way to get over a sinful flesh thought is to understand that God is good and he did it for you. It's the goodness of God that will lead you to change your mind, change your ways. The more you tell me how bad I am, the more you tell me how, how, how worthless I am, how, what a big failure I am, you keep reminding me of my sins, the, the, the harder it will be to come out of those. That's what the church has been doing forever. What if we gave them the good news? What if we told them that there was something done for them? And we, and we went by what the Bible says, the goodness of God. What if we told them how good God was? That would get them out of sin. But we feel like we got to beat them up. They got to see their sin before they can accept Jesus. It's craziness, church. It's craziness. And I used to be that guy that would do that. However good my message was that night, depending on how many kids were down here crying. That's horrible. Think about that statement. <laughs> they could cry tears of shame or tears of joy and say, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you you did it. I'm not condemned. I can live life. I am qualified. Even though I have sins of flesh like Paul did, those sins have been condemned. That way I can keep moving forward. What? So why did God condemn it? That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So according to the flesh means you're sin focused. That's what the context says, right? Amen. If you're sin focused, you're walking according to the flesh. It's a flesh of sin. But if you're conscious of the spirit, now you're walking and now you have life. Now you have purpose. Right. So. So the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. Where, where Jesus didn't come and break the law, he didn't come and do anything, he fulfilled it. What does fulfilled mean? <laughs> he ended it. If I fulfill my payment to somebody, I'm not going to make another payment. I'd be an idiot. You would too. Pay off your car payment or your house payment and go try to make another payment. Bank teller be like. And we would argue. I know it's paid off, but I feel like I still owe you. The bank teller would be like, oh, can I get a manager to come up here? We got to call a cop. Right? It's just stupid. It just doesn't even make sense. Why do we take that into our church life? Why do we take that into our, in our relationship with our loving father? Doesn't make any sense, does it? When you step back and think about it, but that's who grew up believing that. I did. I did. But now, now we're free. There's no going back, right? There's no going back. All right. We're going to finish up right here in Hebrews. Hebrews 10. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. They can't. Bulls and goats, the blood, one year, Yom Kippur, they were good. And, and, and I, as I opened up, listen, the Holy Spirit knew people would fail the next day. That day. Any of you guys fail on Sunday? You leave church, get out in that traffic, and you're, you fail. Yeah, I've seen some of y'all. I might even flip one of y'all off. Let, let me tell you something. I hope you forgive me. <laughs> you drive slow in front of me. You deserve it. No, I'm just joking. You don't deserve it. You're just keeping it real, right? We all mess up. We all mess up. But the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it. They couldn't take, they, they couldn't take it away. That's why when John the Baptist, he saw Jesus come, he said, hey, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, not the church, the world. The world's sin has been taken away. They just don't know who did it. That's why we got to get out there and tell them who did it. Bring that good news. Right? Drop down to verse 9. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Jesus came to do the will of his Father. What was that? He takes away the first that he may establish the second. We're talking about covenants. He took away the first covenant where you, he's talking about sacrificing animals. The old covenant. Sacrifice, you're good for one year. The new covenant is Jesus was the one sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice that covers us for eternity. He took away the first to establish the second. See that? Uh, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Say once and for all, church. 
You are made holy once and for all by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Not by what you do, not by your confession, but by the blood of Jesus. We are sanctified forever. We are made holy. And people say, you got to grow, you got to grow, you got to grow. I'm going to show you that's not the case in, in, in the original Greek here in just a second, right? And every priest stands. They stand. They're standing because they're always working. They're always bringing in animals. They're always throwing blood. They're always cleaning up blood. They're always working, inspecting the sheep and all that stuff. They're always working. Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly, repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. They covered them for one year. They could never take it away, right? But this man, whoo, but this man, Jesus, this man, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, now all your sins, forever, forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. All these high priests, they're over there working. He sat down today. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. You know why he's sitting? Because it's done. The work is done. The high priests are always working, working, working because they did it repeatedly because they could never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, he did one time. One time he sat down. He is done. He's done. Sin is paid for. All sin is paid for. And that's why he doesn't want us to have a sin conscience. It's been paid for. How many of you guys, when you hear Let It Go, you automatically want to sing that Frozen song? It's not just me. I always hear Elsa in my head. And then I think, should I say it? And then God gives me wisdom. Not, not to go there, right? <laughs> Oh, thank you, Jesus, right? All right, all right. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever. That's you, church. His one offering has perfected forever. Don't let anybody come up in here and say you're not perfect. Don't let anybody come in here and say, hey, you're not qualified. You don't deserve it because look at you. Look what you've done. Look at your past. There's no way you can stand up here and do this. I'm telling you, if you guys knew my past, you wouldn't be sitting out here. You would be shocked by my past. But I'm here to tell you, God made it good. We all have a past. And, and we don't ever want people to see that, man. But I'm telling you, the moment you're set free, when none of that, then they see only God could have done something like that. I got guys I went to high school with, when they hear I'm a pastor, like, How many of you guys that grew up in my generation are so thankful that Facebook wasn't around, Instagram wasn't around? Yeah. Woo! Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I don't even know if they had camcorders back then, boy, but I am very thankful that none of that is out there, man. But I'll just tell you if you ever want to ask me. I'll give you my version of what happened. <laughs> for by one offering listen one offering he perfected you you can't perfect yourself he did it he 
forever. Those who are being, being sanctified. See, in our English Bible, it says being sanctified. In other words, it gives the idea of, uh, of this, uh, this walk that we're on in order to be made holy and be made more holy. But check this out in the original. See the word there? To make perfect, complete, to carry through completely, to accomplish, to finish, to bring to an end. You, you get the idea? Right? And I want you to see in the original. It says, offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Are sanctified. Not being sanctified. We are sanctified. And look, to go even deeper, see the present? Present means what? Right now. This applies to us. Right now. See, God knew. Right now. Right now. Passive is what? I'm not the one doing the work. Who did it? Jesus. Listen, guys, this stuff matters. Because this is the Holy Spirit part of the Bible. Our King James is not Holy Spirit breathed. Our New King James isn't. Our NIV isn't. Our amped up one isn't. Listen, it's the, it's the, original, it's the original Hebrew in the Old Testament and the original Greek in the New Testament. That's Holy Spirit breathed. That's why this stuff matters. Right now, God has perfected you. Say, right now, I am perfected by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. This is it, last four verses. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. Now, in the context of everything we just read, what is the Holy Spirit witnessing to you about? That you are righteous, that you are perfect, that God isn't counting your sin against you. You see it? That's the Holy Spirit's job in our life, to witness to us, to tell us we're perfect. I mean, listen, it's the, ver it's the verse that came right before that, that he's witnessing this to us. How do we jack that up, church? We always want to be focused on us. We always want to be focused on where we failed. Man, the Holy Spirit's role in our lives right now is to remind you that you are righteous by the blood of Jesus. Right? Uh, for after he had said before, <laughs> ooh, he had said that, that kind of that jacked you up. For after he had said before, you're like, right? This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Says the Lord, I, I, I will put my laws on them, on their hearts. Listen, I will do it. God says the Ten Commandments, it's gone. Jesus fulfilled it. The Bible says that, that Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. Do you believe, church? And let me say, so right here he's saying, look, I'm going to write my laws. From now on, I will write my laws on your heart. In other words, you will know what I want you to do because I'm going to put it on your heart. And I always use the example, you drive down, you get off the exit, and there's somebody there asking for money. Guy puts it on your heart, hey, give him $20. You're like, guy's just going to go buy beer. Guy says, I don't care what you think, give him $20. You see, it's different sometimes. Sometimes I get up there, I don't have a piece about doing it. Sometimes I get up there, and usually it's the worst dude up there. I'm like, oh my gosh, you want me to give him $20? Should I follow him to the Jiffy store to see if, he, if I'm right? If he buys beer and alcohol and ci or cigarettes and all that stuff? Guy's like, why do you care? Just give him the $20. I'm writing it on your heart to do so. And see, those are the laws now that we follow. God writes them on our hearts. Does that make sense, church? Right? So he will put the laws in our hearts and in our minds, and I will write them. He will write them. Right? Then he said, then he adds. Then he adds. See, he's much more. He's always adding stuff. Then he adds. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In other words, today, under the new covenant, because Jesus perfected us, God says, I'll remember your sins no more. In the Greek, double negative. I will never, ever, 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 never, ever, I will never, ever, never, ever remember your sins. 
You know why God doesn't never, ever, ever remember your sins? Because they're paid for. He remembers what his son did. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. No longer an offering for sin. But wait a minute, Pastor, I have sin. Yeah, but it's been paid for. Now let's go, move on. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, this is the only way we can do it, by the blood of Jesus. Without the blood of Jesus, none of this means nothing. But we have the blood of Jesus. We've been covered by the blood of Jesus. So all this stuff is for us, amen? Give Jesus a hand. Hey, will you stand with me, church? Give him a hand. Remember this. Remember this. The moment you fail, you got to remember this, church. The moment you fail, you have to say, God did. You have to say, I've been perfected. I'm perfected by the blood of Jesus, not by what I do. It's never about you. It's always about Jesus and his love for you. And let me just tell you something. This is not just for the church. Sins paid for. Go out there and tell them. Go out there and tell them that their sins paid for. Don't, don't point them to their sin. Point them to Jesus. We got to stop telling people, man, you're a sinner. You need help. Because <laughs> I'm a sinner and I need help. Every day I need help. Ask Kelly. Where'd Kelly go? She couldn't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. Amen? Hey, go out there. Share the good news with somebody, church. You should feel, you should feel like that right now. That's how we're supposed to feel. The, the way you feel right now is how you were created to feel every time you left the presence of the Lord in, in a worship setting. And I hope that you'll take that out and extend it to wherever you go. Amen? I'm going to bring Pastor Dwayne up. He's going to pray us out of here. If you need me or Pastor afterwards, we always stick around. We're cleaning up. Um, if you want to help clean up too, that'd be great. We can talk while we clean up. No, I'm just joking. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart, man, please don't leave here unless you unless you come to us. I don't want you to take a burden with you. I want you to be able to lay that burden down, man. And I'll pray with you and remind you who you are. If you're looking to join a church, this is who we are, what we believe. You're going to hear it every week consistently because we honestly believe we've seen what it does to people. We've seen what it did to us. Amen. There's no going back. If, that, if you want to be a part of that, we have a piece of paper for you to fill out, just a, a record to let us know you want to join our church. And if you don't know who Jesus is after sitting in here, I ain't going to condemn you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you and pray a quick prayer with you. And it, I mean, God made it simple, church. Amen. Man, if you haven't accepted Jesus by, by saying that prayer, man, please let me be, have the honor to be able to do that with you. Amen. Or Pastor Dwayne. We would Amen. love to be able to do that with you. But I'm going to let Pastor go ahead and take it. Amen. That was good. Amen. Come on, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word today, Father. We thank you for just opening our eyes and just pouring into us, Father, just the knowledge of God, Father, the knowledge of your word. We thank you, Father, for giving us hearts to receive God, your word. Thank you for the faith, God, that you've given us. Your word says the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Lord. And we have heard your word today, Father, and we receive it by faith, Lord. We ask, God, that you would cause that word, Father, to work in our lives. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to do so, Father. We thank you for every opportunity, Father, that you give us to share the good news, Father, to be your glory in the earth, Father, to, to let everyone know, Father, about the goodness of God, because we were reminded today that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, Father. We thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit 
We, we thank you for that, that time in our lives, Father, where he convicted us of the reality that we needed a Savior. And we thank you, Lord, for now, after receiving our Savior, Lord, that he reminds us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And, Father, we thank you for making us that way. We thank you, Lord, for making us accepted in your beloved Son. And so, Father, we bless your name today, and I speak life. Father, over every person and every household represented in this place today, Father, I pray, Lord, that we would go away equipped and blessed and able, Father, to share this word, Father. Thank you for writing your words upon our hearts and in our minds, Father, and thank you for ordering our steps. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. 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 We are dismissed.